0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back for what Sarah has assured me is part four of our Mangum Reads run through spinning silver. Good work. We are continuing our dive through the plot before we get to the things that Sarah actually wanted to talk about last episode, but was very rudely cut off by us. <laughs> but in terms of where we left off on the plot, guys, help me. I think we stopped it essentially. We're done with the wedding. Uh, we've seen that spring is beginning to sprung in almost comedically quick fashion, as well you as all the say animals it's coming out. Magical. And it is a magical spring that's been brought upon us uh also as you pointed out magical strawberries are just appearing everywhere which is awesome by my standards love strawberries um but in terms of where we're going next i think the main thing to focus on is that everyone is very happy with this turn of events with the exception of one of our three main characters miriam who is very disconcerted by what she has now realized is going to occur specifically how would you guys sum up what she thinks is now about to happen, given that the
1: Star King is now in Chernobog's possession?
2: Uh, global warming in the Stark Kingdom.
1: I, I was trying not to, like, get to that point quite yet, but I do feel like there is a little bit of, like, Chernobog is global warming. He's apparently
0: global warming for the human world, too, because they kind yeah.
1: of talk about that he's- Permanent It's great and,
0: now. Yeah. It's, it's great now, but it's eventually going to burn us into a deserty cinder, which is a conclusion that Arena eventually reaches. But, for right now, Miriam is very conflicted on the issue of, yes, the Stark King totally wanted to end the world. Yes, he imprisoned me. Yes, he planned to poison me on our wedding night. Yes, all of these things. But, there are a lot of innocents that are under his banner that will die with him. Mm -hmm. And them I care about. The daughter, uh, one of her two servants has a daughter. Does anyone remember which servant it was? Uh, I think it was... Black. I think
2: so. And the daughter's
0: name is Rebecca. Um, yeah, Rebecca, which she gave to her too. Right. Um, so these are the people that she cares about. The, inno- the innocence that will suffer as a result of this, what one could call just a necessary act. And not knowing what else to do, she really kind of goes to her grandfather to really ask for advice about what needs to be done here, because she's not getting any support from Arena. She goes to her and bars her soul, and Arena basically just says, "Sorry, these are the people I care about." care about the people of my realm, those are the ones that I can help, those and the ones I am sworn to protect. Helping the Stark King at this point, at best is a risk, at a worst, is imminently hazarding the people that I am beholden to. So, can't do it, sorry, thank you for help previously. As for the conversation with her grandfather, it's an interesting indirect kind of conversation where he kind of blanketly just says, you know you, you know what you feel is right, trust yourself and do it. At least that's kind of what I got out of it.
2: Um Coupled with the d- sort of understanding of where where the Star king has been taken
0: yes right. which he 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 reveals what um arena 's father already knew or but already told her about is that the, the this this system of burnt out area was rebuilt through through aid of the uh, leading members of the Jewish quarter, and then they were sworn to secrecy about it but They've also now used it essentially as a exit plan that under the probably, sadly, perfectly reasonable assumption that eventually even this new tolerant home that they found will turn against them and a new pogrom will begin, they have kind of, they've, they've built a rat hole. They've built a exit plan outside of this city that he's very, very uncomfortable with telling her about. He does. But he basically cautions her that you're doing what you think is right and I endorse that but you also need to understand the cost of doing this to us here right now. Not just about some mythical winter. If you use this as a means to get to the Stariot King, this bolt hole, this escape plan, will probably cease to exist, and there could be punishment right here and right now for for us building it and for us revealing it to you. And for the community in general. Yes. To which, Miriam is on a mission. She decides that these costs are worth it because this is something that she can stop right now, that she knows about that is a certainty in a way that the rest of this is merely speculative. Well, and And this was such
2: an interesting conversation between her and her grandfather, because he was not, in this conversation, he was not blaming her, he was not telling her what to do, or how even he thought she should think, but simply presenting Mm -hmm. the reality of the situation
1: to her. Yeah, and that was denoted. It was just like, he came out and said, like... I'm giving you information, and I trust mm-hmm. you to make a good decision. I'm yes. not trying to tell you not to do this. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to tell you what the possible consequences are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: He's very much treating her as an adult, and which we've seen with a lot of the the real father figures over the course of these last few chapters, of Arena interacting with her dad, of Miriam interacting with her grandfather, who is kind of a surrogate father in the sense that he's led her into her new lot in
1: life. And Wanda interacting with Miriam's dad.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it's a lot of... It's a lot of people getting what they need from, fi- from parental figures that they've otherwise previously lacked. And it's heartwarming in a certain way, while including a certain element of loss attached to it, too, and what kind of things they're giving them free reign to do. Um, but I guess from here we kind of really just need to go to uh, Miriam's plan. Because um, there's, there's a few moments involving Arena and um, I'll say the Czar because I was apparently massively mispronouncing that last time <laughs> we did this. And, I want you to, uh, want. I
1: want to tell you that my favorite part about that is, um, I, I talked to my girlfriend about it and she's just like, and I spelled it and, and, and said how you pronounce it. And she's like, I don't see what the problem is. And I was like, okay, <laughs> endorsement, you got an endorsement. You got one solid <laughs> I, endorsement. <laughs> that
0: never happens before. Um, and Wanda is kind of plotting using her pardon letter to let go home. But really, most of the plot from here up until a certain, a certain moment, a few chapters from now, is going to be centered around Miriam, I think.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Miriam's parents are now planning to go with Wanda and her brothers. Mm
0: hmm. Because Yeah, it's true, because not only does she give her the pardon, doesn't, doesn't the Tsar also give her essentially a land holding? Yes, essentially she-
1: free reign of, like, wherever they want to go, like, in the forest or whatever, and some land that they want and not be bothered.
2: It's kind mm-hmm. of a, like, whatever you can tame or put a fence around or cut the trees down from in a three-year period, that's then yours.
1: Right. I've,
0: I've given you land rush rights. Right? It's like, we've opened up Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. whatever you get there and develop, it is yours now. And to what, a person who has essentially been little more than a serf all of her prior life, that is an incredible gift and an incredible future. And for Miriam's parents, too, it is a it is a level of protection that they've never had before. They can make their own home and mm-hmm. be not under anyone's authority but their own. But, Yeah. Yeah, that's and, the decision that they make.
2: And so the the plan is then, um, as as Miriam comes to this decision that she is she is going after this the Stark King um, to try try to figure out what to do with him or how to get him back to his kingdom to um, defeat the demon and all of that. Uh, but this is intimately related to the plan to go to the cabin in the woods for her parents <laughs> and for Wanda, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Partly because Irina knows what Wanda wants to do and they're yes. very paranoid that they have to do this all kind of cloak and dagger style for fear, very justified fear that the government is going to take steps to stop them from freeing the
1: winter demon.
2: Yes. So they right. stock up, they get all of the things, um, and, then, and they take the cart.
1: Right. But I was also going to say, so Miriam basically sort of informs her family what her plan to do. Yes. What her plan is to like free the, the Starry King and her father was like i'll accompany you and help you and she's just like uh, <laughs> no we're not doing that that's like, not <laughs> you're like 90% bruised at this point point. Mm-hmm. yes yeah. you got you you got
0: tossed like a sack of potatoes last time you tried to get involved in this just go to the farm place yeah.
1: um so we end up with um Wanda's old well the older of the two brothers um, uh, Sergey, Sergei, yeah, yeah. Sergey, basically being like, "I'm a big kid. I can help you,"
0: <laughs> which everybody consents to because you know he is a strapping, he's a strapping individual that
1: everyone cares a little bit less about, and so you know reasonable <laughs> enough sacrifice to have on hand. I mean, just because he wants to hunt turkeys in your backyard doesn't mean you shouldn't trust him. <laughs> Is this the visual we have for this guy now? I would
2: I would, I would, would have taken that kid on any sort of rescue mission that I was going on. <laughs>
0: though though he, he's not going to be directly involved. His basic job is going to be to stand near the exit and be ready in case something happens. Yes.
2: Yeah. Which is a very much, okay, we'll pretend you're useful kind of job.
0: Right. Yeah. It, it seems almost like that this is just a token that's being offered to her parents about don't worry, I'm not going alone. Sergey's coming with me. Mm -hmm. He's going in a way that I could totally die before he even knows what happens, but he's still there in spirit.
1: Yeah, so this reminds me of um, when my mother was working at University of Maryland, which is a hospital, which is sort of located in the center of downtown Baltimore in what is less and less interesting neighborhoods, but back then was a little bit more of an interesting neighborhood. Um, And it was like, late evening, like early night, like it was, it was dark out. Um, and I was going to like help her move some desks or something. And my grandmother was just like, I want to go with you to make sure you, you're safe. And at this point my grandmother was like, well into her eighties and probably closer to late eighties. And it was kind (laughs) of like a, but why? Like if we're going to try and run away like that, like you're not going to be helpful there and like you're a little old lady but my mom was just like what but what are you gonna okay like <laughs> sure i'd like there's no reason to have this argument and why not mm-hmm. so so this sort of kind of like what was brought to my mind when when miriam's father was like i'll help you and then and then it sergey was like oh i'll help and it's just like okay like, none of you can really do anything <laughs> i mean at least sergey is like a big kid but we're essentially having yeah. a magic battle, so... Yeah,
0: at, th- at this point, it's like the military getting involved in a battle between Godzilla and whatever monster of the week. The best thing they can do is just stay out of the damn way. Once the Stargate King and Chernabog throw down with each other, you're no more than collateral damage, really. Mm-hmm. But she, you know, plots this plan out, and she um, she leaves her parents with basically a line if I remember this correctly, it's... Is it now or later that she tells her parents look for me come the spring or something like it's that?
2: It's later. It's yeah, it's it's later at um at the actual hut. But at this point, gotcha. they she slips out essentially from the the uh the cart under the mm-hmm. cover of night and um mm-hmm. has the very sort of like 90s teenager movie trope of the uh the, the pillows under the be- uh, under the bedspread yeah, the,
1: to the boots coming um, out of the blanket and the boots whatever. coming yeah. out
2: yeah she she has bought an extra cloak and has put it in the cart and has her boots coming out from under it as she slips off into the night to go to the tunnels to get to where the star king is being held
0: mm-hmm And it's an impressive kind of structure where the Star King is stuffed in, of where it is a long series of vaulted tunnels that end in a room under constant fire, with him kind of trapped in a ring of both fire and silver in the center. Mm -hmm. And, well, from here, the two of them have a bit of a conversation while she's in the act of freeing him, and kind of really plot out the nature of them to a certain degree while she's trying to save his life.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and the nature of sort of, like, what contracts... Look like. We've talked about it a little bit going forward because, like, apparently the Stark Kingdom is, like, entirely composed of verbal contracts. Um, But she's trying to hammer out the details of what.
1: (sighs) If she frees him, like, he's not going to ravage the human world.
2: And what, yeah, and what that looks like and how she can get him to agree to what she actually wants to happen.
1: Right, Right, and a lot of his responses are just like,
2: mm,
1: I don't know I'm about that. I'm not
2: gonna that. do that. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound right.
0: Yeah, her, her end goal is that I wanna free you because I don't want all the Starryuk people and all the innocents that are among them to die. But at the same time, I'm not willing to trade that for the safety of me and mine in this world either. So can we reach some degree of terms about how, you know, I'll free you and you don't reduce us all to a permanent state of winter? Mm-hmm. Which they do kind of, sort of, a little begrudgingly work out. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah.
2: (laughs) They sort of figure it out.
0: (laughs) At at least for right now, he's proposing not doing that. Kind of with an implication being is that, well, I understand now why you've been doing this. Mm -hmm. It comes out in these chapters that his objective here in reducing... All of the world of mankind to ice and snow is that he has been trying to snuff out Chernobyl. that he no- he's known that this demon has been gunning for him for possibly generations. Who even knows how much time? Mm-hmm. And this means of burying the entire world under snow was his plan for doing that, with the rest of mankind being nothing more than just, well, collateral damage in that kind of war the two of these Titans have been waging.
2: And we get a little bit of information about why he is so interested in turning the start silver into gold.
0: That he's been—it's source of power. It's a certainly a means of, yeah, it's been a means of quite literally trapping the sun. Yes. And thereby leeching the warmth out of the world mm-hmm. to do it.
1: So n- nuclear winter versus global warming. <laughs> Indeed. Trapping the power of the sun <laughs> versus yeah. Two apocalypses at war with each other. And
2: so I think like the agreement that we kind of end up with is. Essentially, if Miriam can can help end Chernobog, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what this all rests on, um, and that's right. how we get to the sort of like what what is the Starek King's actual wants and needs and expectations from this situation. Um, and so, given given that situation, then he kind of says, "Okay, well, then yes, then I can agree to all of these these things about not invading." The human world and not creating an everlasting winter or whatever
1: right mm-hmm. and this is very much a contract where he actually has to benefit rather than just sort of being released like his yes. he and his people get a benefit so miriam and her people get a benefit
0: yes though though it is benefit beyond simply just preventing you know the new thing they've been inflicting on mankind they have to fundamentally change their habits going forward mm-hmm. of where they kind of now need to be reduced to the Fae and elves of myth, rather than a constant, active threat upon mankind.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. Luckily, they have their own realm to sort of just exist in, so it's not like <laughs> they're relegated well, to the ain't. forests or whatever. No. Yeah. Um, but all of this haggling about the the terms of this contract has the meant... clock is ticking. <laughs> yeah, that there are possibly uh, people and or things and or other. uh, mythical beings that are on their way
0: yeah Chernobog has come for a sip from the cold tap Mm -hmm. and it is only a matter of time before he gets there and they start to realize this upon they're basically it's a mix between they first hear a distant door opening until eventually Chernobog realizes what's happening and they just see like
1: this looming presence of fire running down the hallway at them Mm -hmm. Um, and then basically they're trying to put out a candle for him to escape which is complicated apparently because they're magic candles.
2: Well, they're magic. They, they are magic candles, and there's the silver chain involved.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and so Evang- Miriam
2: has to do a lot of stuff to get the candles to go out enough to get him out, but then has to figure out what's going to go on with this silver chain right. because she can't really do anything with it.
1: Um, and so they sort of end up stumbling out, and we find the noble guardsmen that. Probably has some ulterior motives of some sort. Well,
0: one thing to note here uh, was a couple things. Um, first of all is that we also get some confirmation here that the Stark King is willing to die for his people.
1: Yes. Yeah. Is that's that true.
0: This is, this is not just a measure of pride by which he's doing it. It's not just for his own feeling of dignity and honor the way very really kind of previously thought. When they think they can't get him out of the silver chain, when they can't get him out of this ring of fire, when Trevor is rapidly charging down the hallway at them, he basically tells her, take the shovel and kill me now. He can devour me. That way, he can't devour my people through me. Do it. Do it right now. It doesn't prove necessary, but it's a very different side of his character that I don't think either us or Miriam really fully understood before. Mm -hmm. Is that, yes, he is an all-imperious lord. Yes, he is all jacked up on his own pride. But there's a level of duty. Is a level of duty that goes into his honor too. It's not entirely self focused. I mean, so and, yeah, that, that's admirable. Yeah,
2: and Miriam certainly thinks so.
0: Right. It's 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 again. It sh- it reflects that these guys are not these guys don't really adhere to our black and white sense of morality. They are very blue and orange for how they work. It is different, <laughs> but there is an understanding of honor and dedication to your people that is still there and can be appreciated across otherwise very different cultures.
1: Yeah, and so I guess there's sort of like this unspoken uh, assumption that at least to an extent that like the the rulers versus ruling uh, the subjects have the uh, consent of the subjects to be a ruler. And that's sort of part of like an overall contract that they seem to have with how the uh, lords versus and king versus subjects and and underling 's work. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, do you guys, do you guys remember how exactly she 's ultimately able to break the silver bindings because it's it 's interesting for it 's a use of magic that is outside of the star kingdom
2: yeah so she can't um she can 't actually do anything to the the silver chain um itself but what happens if, if you remember from our last episode? Um, <laughs> part of the way that they are able to actually bind the Stark king is that they use, I think it's Irina's um, necklace, necklace to loop the ends of the chains together, um, and that's a little bit different than because that is actually Stark silver and not just sort of regular run-of-the-mill everyday um, silver, silver, human mortal silver. silver. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, Miriam is is able to turn it into gold. And she's able to do that, that in the in the human realm, which is different than anything right. else we've seen.
0: Yeah. She is in the human realm. The Stark King's magic is essentially gone, so it's not like he's creating a pocket dimension around them or anything. This mm-hmm. is her wielding magic on the mortal plane. And that's a big deal. We've not seen any indication previously that she could do that or even have reason to believe she could do that. And it's another suggestion that she's becoming very magically powerful over the course of this story increasingly so in a way we probably don't get or even the Stark king doesn't get as a result of her
1: increasingly impossible accomplishments that she's pulling off mm-hmm. and it probably has something to do with him accepting her as a little bit more his equal uh as a lady of the Stark. but I think, we'll get that, to that yeah, eventually. I think
0: that's true but it may, may also bleed into the level of sacrifice that he's willing to do here um yeah. mm-hmm. that he, he is submitting himself to die in protection of his people he's taunting her essentially with it of where you said you would protect the children you said you would do it are you going to be a liar upon our deaths mm-hmm. she finds a way out but he's very willing walking he's very, very much willingly walking to the guillotine right now which is an incredibly powerful gesture from a figure of this kind of power to do that yes but
2: but as soon, when they get out yeah when the when the necklace is turned into gold he's no longer trapped
0: by silver um right and he and he escapes, and it's a very interesting moment of where Chernobog shows up, starry, sees the Starry King is free, and just turns tail and runs. No, he nopes right out of there. This guy's literally melting there before him. He's not in a good way, but even in that state, Chernobog is not risking it again after what happened last mm-hmm. time.
1: Yo, and then um,
2: but the they get the, a
1: random stabbing.
2: Yeah, no, Arena's um, guard, who is half in love with her, is, is very willing to take up the cause um, no. and... S- O- stabs the star at king, which is, like, not really a thing.
0: Yeah, not, not only just half in love with her, the Tsar intends for him to serve. Yeah. Both, both the Tsar, and to a certain degree, Arena understands it, as a a, pro- a proxy of sorts. Uh, as, as the father to her children in a way that the Tsar the never will be it will be close enough in appearance
1: I don't know if that's the intent per se but like a fine whatever you'll be my guard and you can do that maybe it I guess it's sort of not clear to me how much of that is him being an asshole and torturing her and him actually uh, like being okay with it
2: and it turns out we never really get there because this guard is iced
1: (laughs) yep yeah the great
0: hero of the story who he's very much in this in in standing in for the great hero of the story
1: yeah this this is very much a uh if this were in a terry pratchett world Mm -hmm. this is about on par with many things that happen in terry pratchett's world where it's like this would be the main character in many other stories and he has like half two half lines and immediately you know dies (laughs) dead yes yeah
0: this this is this is either Pratchett or you know um Naomi Novik subverting the classic f- uh, fable fairy tale trope, and yeah, he dies very quickly, but the Starry king's kind of messed up right now it doesn't kill him, but he's like pinned to the ground
2: yeah, Andy's sort of melting, and getting over the magic flames took a lot out of him, so Miriam has to essentially sort of drag him out of this situation.
1: I mean, right. they they really Which... need to find a magic top hat for him.
2: Indeed, if only, <laughs> yes. if only the power of Frosty.
0: <laughs> but luckily, instead they have the power the power of Sergei, who, in a what is a very funny scene to me, comes up and has to bargain with the Starry King. Yeah, <laughs> this King d- melting, dying, dying Starry
2: King will not accept a favor.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And. Um, On so, with Miriam having to kind of coach him behind the scenes, Sergei just to invent things on the fly, which he eventually ends up with, uh, I, what, I get to hunt whatever I want of your animals or something like that? Yeah, he he even the white the animals white in, the,
2: yeah, in the forest, <laughs> which was what he was going to do anyway, or what he was yeah. doing until he almost died.
0: Yeah, but to the Starriot King, he's like, this guy plays hard. <laughs> you know what? Kudos. I appre- you know, asshole, but yeah, that's the kind of thing I appreciate in individuals, that they know how to drive a hard bargain. Yep. So he agrees, because, you know, it's his life on the line. It would be disrespectful if he just did it for free right now. But they agree to carry him, and they're going to carry him to the cabin, essentially, right? Yep. Yeah,
2: because Miriam starts to ask, well, can you make the, the Staric Road back into your kingdom? And he, in the Staric King, says... I can't do it underneath the green trees and spring has sprung in all of um, in all of Viznia. And so there's nowhere in the city or even in the surrounding area that he can he really has any power.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. And I think they at this point kind of know slash realize that the cabin in the woods is a nexus point.
2: Yeah, they certainly Um, have to get there.
0: And what hasn't come up previously before this point, but we should reference it because it has previously come up in the text. What we haven't discussed previously, but what has come up in the text, I think by this point, is that Stepan got a gift from his mom. Yes, from his yeah, mom. But from his it's mom. A Stepan Martin. Like we
1: hate Stepan. We're talking about it. It's relevant from here. <laughs> That's true.
2: I will have things to say about this later.
1: <laughs> um, so yes. So basically, there's this white tree that they've buried all of, like the many children that have died and their mom and um, it's a weirwood tree (laughs) yeah yeah um and basically as a this weird child decides that the acorn essentially that came off of it was a gift from his mom and he's been keeping it in his pocket but it's like a super white acorn and so he hasn't shown it to anybody because you're not supposed to take any white things Right, and, and he has become
2: convinced str- that he's only supposed to to bury it where his like actual home is going to be,
1: and uh, or with
0: we, dead bodies. Where his home is going to be is what his plan is, apparently. <laughs> but yeah, previously we've had strong hints that this tree is in some way associated with Staric magic, and that it has indeed been in some way either the spirit of his mom, or the animated tree that's respecting the will of his mom. That has been doing various things to help them including as a token farewell gift giving him this seed mm-hmm. and when they arrive at their new home this cabin in the woods as we're calling it he plants this
2: well he tries to plant it
0: yes and it, it don't do great to
1: start
2: well it doesn't feel right and so he picks it up again and
0: mm-hmm.
2: just sort of keeps it, in it
1: pocket and then comes back out and then you know they sort of all end up in the cabin in the woods and um somebody looks at Stepan and is just like, what does it have in its pockets? Is?
2: <laughs> yeah, so they've gotten... Uh, Miriam and the Staric King have gotten to... They, they got picked up um, by the cart on their way, which I'm a little confused about the logistics of all of this. But nevertheless, they all end up at the cabin in the woods, um, and they mm-hmm. take the Staric King down into the cellar because it's the coldest part.
0: It's cold. And things still aren't going great. It's straight up summer outside now.
2: Yeah, and so they they have to figure out a way to get back to the Stark Kingdom. And so they finally figure maybe we should ask the Stark King.
0: You know, (laughs) no other options really left at this point. If
2: one were to do this, what might one do? But he's an
0: asshole. Do we have to talk to him?
2: Yeah, and so Um, he comes up and starts rummaging through cupboards that were never there before. And come to find out, they have to find something that is of his kingdom. Um, mm-hmm. That he can kind of call to, and they go through all of this nonsense in rooms before, that were never there before.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the house is getting massively larger as he's just going through it, and apparently a very permanent way. They just now have a bigger house now. It's a little bit like a police call box,
2: or sure, a flying Fort Anglia that
0: has These all the things, rooms in it. Yes,
2: it has more room than it should.
0: Oh, fair, it's enough. bigger inside than it appears. Um, but ev- eventually. Stepan reveals or they deduce that he, they've got the seed.
2: Yes. Uh, but the story' King is king. very clear that it's not his seed.
0: Mm-hmm. Steppen's seed. A so deal has, has to, to be made. Bargain for it. I totally don't remember, though, what Steppen gets out of this.
2: Uh, so oh, I don't no. think actually, I don't think Steppen actually gets anything out of it.
0: I think he truly does make it just a, 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 a like, a uh, charitable gesture. Yeah, it?
2: It, it's a sort of, like, no, this is your seed. I cannot do anything with, like, I can't bargain for this seed from you. It, mm-hmm. it it has no hold with me. And so but somehow that makes it such that Miriam can take it and stick it through the divide and Arena just <laughs> happens to be there.
0: And now we gotta explain what Arena's been doing. Yes. Because that's Irina that's also been, been going on. Because well. <laughs> Chernobyl obviously is not happy about the fact that his end of the bargain has now just fled. And so he goes back to Arena with the full intention of devouring her right then and there. But Arena's got a plan. Arena's always got a plan, and this one that she works out on, on the fly is that okay, what you want here is to consume all the Starik magic and the Stark king and all the Stark people, right? That's what you really want here and i'm i j- I'm barely even a cool drink of water at this point, but compared to that. So how about I give you a means to take your war to their realm in a way you never would otherwise be able to do. Your one connection has fled but I can put you in there directly. You no longer need to use the Star King as a conduit. You can suck right from the tap. And he agrees, but he wants to know what her terms are. And she, in what will prove a very relevant rules lawyer moment going forward, is very precise about what language she picks. For essentially, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, she says, I don't want anything from you, I just want you to leave me and mine alone forevermore. Or something like that. Yep. And... She, by means of her two remaining magical artifacts, takes Trinnebog across the Mirror Realm into the Starry Kingdom, and he is happy as a clam.
2: Yeah, he immediately just sort of, like, frolics off to cause destruction and mayhem.
0: Frolic is a good word for it. hes I can just picture him skipping with the realm melting around him. Spring is coming to the Starry Kingdom in a way that should never be, as he is almost Silver Surfer Speed or frozen skating towards <laughs> the Starry Kingdom. <laughs> To the uh, Staric Diamond um, Palace, I suppose. Fortress. Yeah, but, and,
2: and Arena is automatically like, oh my god, what have I done?
0: Right. Because she, she's aware of what she just sold to protect her and her people. Mm-hmm. That she essentially is allowing an act of genocide to occur just so it isn't directed at the ones she cares more about. And that's her duty. That's her job. That's what she's sworn to do.
2: But she still feels but guilty she, about
0: it. She's a good person, yeah. yeah. This is... Very much traumatic to her and so she just kind of spends a bit of time just wandering around the now melting kingdom in a way that just happens to put her perfectly in place to be standing over a trough at the time a seed is thrust through it
2: well she's gonna try to go back um, and like something in the magic who I don't know how <laughs> how this works well, um, but something in the magic she can't go at that precise moment she can't go back the seed is being thrust forward to her
1: yeah Mm -hmm. so she needs a reflective surface to pass between Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the pass between is sort of always at the house nexus
2: yeah so she she's there that's where the water that's where the water trough
0: is right right she's always always either going to the river which not an option right now The house nexus is much closer by Mm -hmm. so she goes and through a mix of happenstance fortune or magical fate The seed is thrust through and she is there at the perfect moment to grab it and to now plant it in the starry kingdom Mm -hmm. in a way that allows the starry king because it is now his it is in his kingdom to tie to the magic and bring them through
2: well except it actually doesn't particularly because once the seed is planted they have to or the the um miriam and her family have to sing their own rites over it to bring
1: it. True. forth. Yeah. The that's blessing true, to, right? to bring it forth, which yeah. is interesting.
0: I, I, is this a particular blessing for a particular holiday, BJ? Um, so, I, cause I know there's a holiday of the trees.
1: I, I would guess it is associated with that. And like, I actually didn't look it up. It's supposedly for fruit trees in bloom. And that's never been like a, a big thing. I probably have said it like once or twice in my life because there was a point in time that my dad decided he wanted to grow fruit trees Mm -hmm. um and doing things like this amused him um but but it's not it's it's a very uncommon blessing
0: right the only reason i know about that holiday is it seems that every year i have a trial that is interfered with because i've got a jewish opposing counsel who is totally not not okay with going forward with the trial because that holiday is happening that's um so i that's just they want a continuance I know, but it's just one of those things of where it's South Florida, if he goes forward and say, I have a holiday that I want to participate in, the judge is not going to ask questions. There's always going to be a continuance granted.
1: I was going to say, like, I'm surprised you don't have more judges that are just like, mm, no, it, it, I know what that It depends on the is. judge. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Take me to the tree and then we'll talk.
0: Yeah. <laughs> are you are, are you helping bring about a staryc tree? No? Nah. <laughs> it can't be forward. that important. <laughs> But as said, this is an example of magic in our world, or at least some equivalent of it functioning, because the tree goes into full bloom and rapidly starts to grow.
2: Yes, and once that happens, the Starry King can, can tap into it.
0: Mm-hmm. And he does, and they cross over with her offering those words to her parents of, you know, yes. she, at this point, she's going with him, and she fully expects that coming back is going to be hard.
2: And, and based on their agreement, he says, you know, I cannot, I can't make this, this road come up anytime that it's not winter. So I can't guarantee you that you can come back whenever, but you can come back as soon as the snow falls.
0: Right. Her parents aren't exactly happy about this scenario. They've just gotten her back. But again, they're respecting her wishes and she swears to them that look for me come the winter. Um, So they go through. And he, upon arrival, quickly realizes that things are rapidly going pear-shaped.
2: Yeah, Chernobyl is running rampant over the place, um, mm-hmm. melting all kinds of shit, drinking all kinds Pe- of shit.
0: <laughs> people, people too. Yeah, the Stark King's Stark King's soldiers, his personal guard, are there, standing strong, but. What they're fighting is an anathema to them. They have no chance at all against him. Only the magic of the Star King himself really stands any degree of chance, and he's in no position to fight now, given that
1: Chernabog is growing in power by the second. By fight. the yes. second, yes. Kind of like Wicked Witches in water. Indeed. Yes.
2: Um, and so ah. the Star King is, is sort of set there for the long fight, but he sends Miriam off kind of immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, to To the glass mountain, to the ice mountain, whatever it is, um, and just says, like, "Do what you can to save the mountain,
0: which right. seems like, yeah. <laughs> like really okay.
2: obscure instructions
0: <laughs> well, in some ways, it's almost like a profound statement of trust of where you yes. have made your story accomplishing the impossible. This is your moment. I trust you that you can bring this about:
2: yeah, go go save
0: the mountain. Neither of them have the slightest clue what they're going to do right now.
2: No, but, but also
1: she... she has like special magical powers. Like yes. she has magical powers that are different, maybe complementary, but like in some ways more powerful than than the the Starry King, or at least mm. like in generating sources for his power, kind of. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and she also has like new knowledge now about what gold actually means in the Starry Kingdom. Um, and what that might mean for Chernobog. Um, and so she she goes to the mountain.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and she
2: meets her she old friends.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then she starts to make a game of taunting Chernobog.
2: Yeah, and this is like a real fast sequence of events here. Oh, yeah. Um, and part of what's going on with the mountain is that as the ice mountain is melting, all of the silver reserves are just kind of flowing into the river.
1: Right. Um, and presumably, like I would guess, it's kind of like the river is super hot and like it's kind of melting in. If you were to make a movie out of this,
2: yeah, I think um, that's probably true.
1: And um, then we get something that's a little bit Game of Thronesy.
2: Yeah, so she is taunting, <laughs> she is taunting Trinobog to come up into the mountain, and he he turns his um, attention towards her and starts coming towards her, and at the same time she. Can apparently now change all of the gold, all of the silver, into gold with a single pass.
1: Yep. And so, as this stream of silver is flowing toward Chernabog, she basically says, uh, "He's like, well, silver doesn't bother me." And she's like, "Yeah, but what about gold?" And Turns it Mm -hmm. into gold as it kind of uh, sort of crowns him in gold.
0: Yeah. Um. Because the, because we've known previously that he cannot operate under the sun. Yes. He only appears at night. Mm-hmm. The sun has a certain degree of power over him in, again, classic demonology style. And so when she's essentially turned the entire room of vaults of silver that um, her two servants and a chauffeur had stacked in the tunnels for later use, it is a nightmare to him.
2: Yeah, and it like literally melts him or knocks bits off of him as he is climbing the mountain, and those bits get kind of lodged in the mountain to Mm. heal it.
0: She kind of she kind of seals the gap. Yeah, she's got a flex seal
2: nonsense going on
0: (laughs) with molten gold, the ultimate high end flex seal. Yeah, but this succeeds not only in hopefully sealing the mountain and the bleed that was always happening in it forever. It also leads to Chernabog fleeing with his tail between his legs once again.
2: Yeah, and much like much smaller than he was. Although I'm not like super sure about how the size growth of what's going on with him actually happens or, like, where it goes. Right. But but he he does flee pretty quickly. Um, and, and the Star Kingdom is not healed, but it's going to be okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. It, it's starting to frost over again, and in what is going through very meaningful phase. Yeah. What is very meaningful for Miriam is that the Starik king and all of his lords and all of his soldiers bow before her Mm -hmm. and say, lady, though you choose a home in the sunlit world, you are a Stariot queen indeed. He's previously indicated that he respects her in that manner, but now having declared it in front of all of his people, there is no longer disputing her title and her rights. Mm -hmm. Though she may still be refusing the marriage bid rights for the, uh, at least a few more chapters.
2: Yeah, and so they go into-
0: (laughs) <laughs> I know. No sexy book for you.
2: Much much to the concern of the internet.
0: Um but Chernbug flees back and we get a scene with Arena.
2: Yes, because he is coming through is he coming through the mirror? I think so. Yep. And, and she's there with Margretta. Who were fully like supposedly <laughs> getting people to come in with the things that were going to trap the demon or or whatever, but it's just them for right now
0: yeah they they didn't assume that he would be coming back so damn quick
2: yeah uh, and but, he's pissed
0: <laughs> yeah n- nothing about this man is happy right now but in what is the greatest act of rules lawyering in the entire yes
2: book, tell us spencer
0: uh he she very clearly sets out that no 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 i fulfilled my bargain i put you in the Star kingdom my side of this is completed and you are now bound to your side that neither me nor mine will ever be harmed again. And what he should have much more clearly defined in the initial definition section of this chapter is how broad the definition of mine is. Mm -hmm. Because Irina interprets it as broadly as her position allows her to do.
2: Yeah, and so we find out initially... (laughs) Yeah, we find out initially that of course it's Margretta. Yeah,
0: obviously. But (laughs) it's also just
2: like random castle servants.
0: Yep, all mine too. I'm the queen. Oh, also, the whole realm? Mine, Mine. too. Uh
2: Uh-huh.
0: Okay, to which she's like, okay, well, I'll just leave and find another realm. Everything behind the iron curtain. (laughs) (laughs) And then she drops the the ultimate bomb. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to the elephant graveyard, and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. Uh, But she drops the ultimate bomb. Is that, no, I'm married to him. He's as as much mine as I am his. You've got to leave now. Mm Mm-hmm and this clearly is not what he anticipated because this is his lodestone upon the world this is his connection and i think at this point he's essentially pulled out of the czar
1: yeah no longer yeah. a mama's boy
0: and i'm trying to remember exactly what occurs but the main thing i remember about, about what happened is that one of the scullery roommates runs in and essentially snuffs him out
2: yeah i don't that remember what right. the actual scene is but that sounds it's right
0: <laughs> I think she like dump, dumps a pile of like sand on him or something to like st- like how you would put out a fire, and yeah. let's go and with that. She <laughs> kinda, and, th- and then she kind of like sits in the bucket afterwards. Yep, and bucket of and, yeah, yeah,
1: a bucket of sand.
0: Okay, and, and in what is in my mind very meant to be a pointed comparison between her and the guard that tried to kill the Star king. This is the ultimate hero of the story. Mm-hmm. Yep. This random scullery maid just defeated a demon of fire. Yep. And did so out of essentially confusion and a vague duty
1: of loyalty. It's just like I understand what happens when fires happen because that's how we <laughs> I'm eat a scullery the castle. Maid. <laughs> Okay.
0: I have one default response right now: put out the fire. Yeah.
2: Perfect. Um, I'm and then we get. Buckets. And then we get Arena and the Czar, who like seem to actually like each other
0: it's we've seen before that she may be developing a certain degree of at least sympathy for him maybe bordering on feelings but this is the one moment of where in pointed comparison to every put down criticism commentary he's offered about her appearance this is the one moment where he looked at her as if she was the most beautiful thing in the world mm-hmm. because she's granted him what no one ever could freedom That he has been bound from the before he was even born. This has been his fate. He has been damned to hell by the sins of the mothers in this case. And she has found a way out of that in a way that should be impossible. She has accomplished the great impossible magical act. And the, I guess, boon that she's won from that is the endless love and adoration from the most beautiful man in the world. At least, maybe now that the magic's lost we'll see what happens but who knows
2: sure it seems promising anyway
0: yeah it's a good starting point
2: um and so we go back to the start kingdom where we are in a sort of like rebuilding TWA situation <laughs> <laughs> or the Tennessee Val- Valley Association um TVA mm. like we are doing the rebuilding here and and um the Star king is involved in it the whole kingdom is and Miriam is instrumental in this as well Um, Mm -hmm. But presumably she's just waiting until winter in the human kingdom to be able to go back.
1: Yes, a very Orpheus in the underworld. Persephone in the underworld. Mm Yes. Yes.
0: With with her being as uncertain as anybody else, what her end goal is here? Is this a, is she intending to return to the human realm forever? She's starting to develop a certain degree of connection to these people. Mm -hmm. Not just even the individuals, but their realm itself and its well-being. Maybe even a little bit in spite of herself, but... No one really knows what decision she's going to make before it happens. Well,
2: and the day comes when she is meant to go back, and really the whole kingdom shows up um, to serve as her guard or to see her off or, or whatever. The um, royal train. Yeah, and the, the Stark King takes her back um, over the Stark Road to the house where her, her parents are living with Wanda, Wanda and Sergei and Stepan, Mm-hmm. Presumably to drop her off... Right, but the, but the Sarah king keeps like following her into the house,
0: yeah. which is a pretty
2: just funny thing to happen in the
0: world. Yeah, she keeps on looking back, expecting that he's going to do the whole disappearing act. That you know, and then he was like, gone. Why are you he still here? What are you She's doing? Like, um, why are you why are you coming into my house? <laughs> and, are you waiting for like a f- post first date kiss? What do you expect is going to happen right now?
2: Well, I mean, sort of.
1: <laughs> yeah, he kind of is. You can and say so, he's a little old-fashioned.
2: Yeah, he yeah. comes, despite the fact they're like actually already married, more or less, um, he comes in and and asks Miriam's parents' permission to court her. Mm-hmm. And Miriam yep. insists, you you think this is going to go a certain way, but the only way that I would ever accept anyone doing this is if you did it according to... D- my, my family and my and customs, and and, customs. And, and, and and presumably fully expecting him to not agree to this because he's mm. a right. he's a starry king, and he sort of like weirdly puppy dogs his way into this whole thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it, from his from his perspective, it's like I proposed a contract, you proposed terms. It's like okay, I can make this happen I'll now. You're gonna have yeah. to teach me how. Well, yeah. and,
2: so like that happens and. There's a courtship of two weeks, and they get married.
0: Mm -hmm. And in what is the resolution kind of moment of this whole thing is that she presides over a ceremony of where various people from their past have sent gifts, Mm -hmm. even though they haven't really attended in person. Probably wasn't much notice here, given it's a two-week courtship. Sure. Yep. Um, But as a key part of the ceremony, they essentially uh, sign their wedding contract before her family, the rabbi, whatever else. Which is very funny. Yeah, and for the first time ever, the Starit King signs his name, but it is hers and hers alone, and so she'll never tell us what it is. Yes.
1: Yeah. So the the contract that that Jews sign at their wedding is a divorce contract, which is why I find it very funny.
2: It's, yeah. Did they have to get divorced before they got
1: remarried, or was this just like a renewal of vows? Well, this is probably just like a religious wedding, and the other one was a was a wedding. legal wedding. <laughs> yeah.
2: Gotcha. <laughs> Um, You've had your
0: courthouse moment. We're doing this in reverse. Yeah.
2: But that's where we end up. That is that is the end of our story. Actually, not
1: uncommon, mm-hmm. Spencer. Not uncommon? Yeah, to do civil, then, then religious. Oh,
0: it it definitely happens. But even the friends I know that have gone through it have usually viewed it as a not what they originally planned on kind of scenario.
1: But everybody yeah. does it their own way. States laws are very weird on certain things. Anyway, but we have finally finished the plot. Yes. Um, I think we and can do so a great discussion characters. of
2: characters. Because yeah. we have we have done a lot of this as we've gone through. Um,
0: well, as I have refused to
2: leave some of this alone.
0: <laughs> Sarah, we denied you last week the opportunity to talk about what you really wanted to talk about. Should we start it now and then continue it next episode?
2: Um, so yeah. what I really wanted to talk about was d- d- sort of methods of rewriting to only have kind of our three main female protagonists as point of view characters. Um, right. Right. And so like a lot of... A lot of my outrageous one-star reviews that I have been considering um, have also been frustrated about the just random other POV characters that are kind of thrown in. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we talked a little bit about we talked a little bit about the Czar last week, which was what kind of got me on this whole rant that
0: you very helpfully
2: mm-hmm. took me off of.: um, <laughs> Because it
0: merits a rant.
2: Well, because it, his point of view makes a little bit of sense in terms of the idea that you need to know, you need to know more about the delineation between him as a person and the demon, right? Mm-hmm. And so knowing that background and knowing where those lines are actually set is interesting and necessary. I Part of the point I was going to make last week or trying to make and maybe did make, I don't know, um, mm-hmm. was that I think that there are other narrative... Ways to get at that and r- maintain the structure of the three female protagonist point of view um, mm-hmm. sort of structure. Yeah, some of them are kind of hokey, but you know you could do it, and I think that there is merit to maintaining that structure. You could do some sort of found diary entries from the czar za- or w- whatever. Like I think that's that's possible. Um, or, 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 I, I mean, we did like, get
1: the the flashback that Arena had. We could and sure, mm-hmm. um, that's a yeah, little she, bit of it. And,
2: she had some insight into him as a kid.
1: I mean,
0: she has her her fly on the wall moments when she's looking in the mirror when he doesn't think he's being observed, which gives you all kinds of options to see him at his most vulnerable and her to process and understand that.
1: And I think that if she kind of does this were like a Disney movie, you'd have like the, he loses like some of the beauty that he had before. And then like, instead of having Mm -hmm. like a smirk, he has a kind smile and you could just, essentially do it that way like you know she notices like how his demeanor changes Mm -hmm. and that comes along with the change in his looks and clothing and whatever else and then like you don't really need the internal like well I can stop being an asshole because I don't have a devil in me Mm -hmm. kind of thing Mm
2: -hmm. yeah so I you know I think that there are there are modes to be able to signify that change and that um, sort of delineation without doing the third person, although his, as we talked about, his third person, or I mean, his point of view, um, mm-hmm. it didn't bother me as much, but I think we need to talk about our other point of view. Um, well, well, the sixth, because the we have sixth.
1: Magreta, which no, like, eh, whatever.
2: It's fine, May- that doesn't annoy me, it's okay. I wouldn't have done it, but okay. It-
0: is there any aspect of her point of view? I, we'll, we'll, we'll get into Steppen more. Um, yeah. Is there any aspect of Margaret's point of view that is at all plot necessary? I don't think any of it isn't really necessary to plot. It all comes across as being pretty superfluous.
2: Yeah. I mean, the only thing, and I'm trying to think through this as I talk about it, but like what I think that what she really does is she is the person who is in the witch's hut alone. Mm hmm to kind of put forth a little bit more of an explanation of how, where things are coming from and how they're they're right. transferring, which you wouldn't have necessarily seen if she weren't a point of view. Um, I also right. think some of her background is, is really interesting, but I don't mm-hmm. know that, I, I, I think you're right, Spencer, I don't know that any of it is necessary to the plot. I think you could have gotten it other ways.
1: I think it, 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 it is kind of important in dealing with somebody else's view of arena because we get that from wanda uh and miriam like respectively yeah Um, but Mm -hmm. we never get an outside view of arena which i i think is very important for her character and making it a three-dimensional character as opposed to a more two-dimensional character
2: yeah that's probably true
0: I agree it offers that value, but there's other ways you can do it. You don't have to be beholden to having this additional narrative. And it, she strikes me as the classic example of a character that if they ever adapted this to the screen, sh- her point of view would be one of the first things that was cut. Because while it provides a useful degree of background in both this realm and this other character, it doesn't, it's not integral to the story or the plot. I think you can even say that Steppen's chapters are integral to the story of the plot in a way that hers aren't. Hmm, I don't know about that as much but, as <laughs> as much as his are frustrating. So what's going to his?
1: I was gonna say like I think that you like it wouldn't matter that that she has a point of view because she doesn't have a point of view that is separate from either a main character or a main story point, point. and so like all of her point of view chapters essentially w- or would be in a movie or TV like mini series or whatever, but it would be like. Uh, a thirty-second scene, probably not even, of like, um, you know, flashes between like her doing embroidery and them appearing in yeah, Wanda's, Wanda's room. F- yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. so yeah. it'd still be there, but like, it's not. It's a very hard thing to do when you're writing a book because, like, that needs to be actually said, and you need to have like a narrator dealing with it as opposed to visually. Like, it's it's way faster.
2: Yeah, you can have those, like, brief signifiers. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Anyway. But as for Steppen. Nope.
2: Just why? <laughs>
1: you, gotta, you gotta do
0: it, BJ. You gotta do it. Uh, I mean, he is plot relevant. No. He, is, he, he gives us the, tr- the connection to the tree, he gives us the connection to the seed, and he gives us a perspective into Miriam's parents because they've been left behind, essentially. All of that could be covered by Wanda right yeah oh. that's
2: the thing i mean you might have to sacrifice a little bit of a little bit of the interim of miriam's parents but i'm not sure that it matters that much um mm-hmm. to actually prog- to actually progressing the plot but yeah you could have you could have the whole narrative about the tree and the seed without Stepan, without the sort of like
1: being inside his head which is unpleasant it's Awful. <laughs> I, I I feel like he was included because I think he's supposed to be non-neurotypical and like this would be obviously a character that they would have in the adaptation, but like I don't think adds a particular value other than being a token. Kind of like the complaint about the yeah. uh, homosexual relationship, which like wasn't unpleasant to me, but this kind of was. Yeah.
0: It's interesting too because I almost feel like his edition takes things away from Wanda's character. Of where, th- for the other two, are ma- the two main perspectives? They have very much mirroring kind of situations of where they're only children. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have issues with their parents, either distance in their relationships because of decisions they're making in their life, or d- uh, a dead parent in the past. But those, Wanda's yeah, cha- sorry, Spencer Wanda's Brad. chapters start that way. That she goes into, you know, the resentment she has with her siblings because her mom died. She goes into her connection with the tree. But then the moment Stefan becomes a point of view, none of that ever occurs again for Wanda. Mm-hmm. All of that leaves her character arc going forward. No, sorry, sorry. Go, go, no, I was interrupting you there. No,
2: no, no, no. You're at, the, that was absolutely the point that I was going to make. The, the, the real mirroring move would be allow to allow Wanda to be the character who has this connection with their dead mother right and who has this sort of power to book to elicit some sort of something from the Staric realm and to bring that to right. the new home and it's a it's weird to me that she's not that she's not that character
0: mm-hmm. and it i don't almost know why reduced, it, it, taking that away from her, particularly wonderful point you made there about the connection to the Stariuk realm and that linking to the magic that the other two characters have mm-hmm. and she doesn't. She really
2: doesn't. She's cut off from that whole thing.
0: And doing that, it almost reduces her, particularly in the later part of this text, to not being a main character. Mm-hmm. That by, about, by the first half of this book, she is very much a main character.
2: And quite but honestly, I'm much... more interested in her than some of our other main characters at other points.
0: I'm with you. But then, pretty much... From about the moment they go to the witch's hut, she becomes very, very secondary. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because of Stepan's becoming a point of view thereafter. And that's a loss. She's a very interesting character that has become diluted as a result of trying to shoehorn in who is otherwise an unnecessary character. And I think one of the easiest rewrites you could do to make Stepan entirely unnecessary is devise a scenario by which Miriam's parents go with Sergei and with Wanda to the hut.
2: Which is not like out of the realm of possibility because they're already sort of exiled anyway. You could just speed up that narrative.
0: They're already going to go to the hut in like 40 pages. So what's the point of keeping them separate from it? They can remember just as well in the hut as they can on their own.
2: (laughs) Or not remember as the case may
0: be. Sure. Um, But BJ, I don't necessarily have any better conclusion than you why Stefan's put in here. Uh, I don't see his value. And as we've talked about before, he is a chore to read. You yeah. can debate whether it's an authentic perspective into a child or not, but it doesn't make for pleasant reading going through it.
2: No. And especially the wedding scene being from his perspective was so extremely frustrating um, because you have the Maybe. really like the main crux of the plot that makes everything go forward from there being told from a very unreliable point of view. And this is not a story that relies on unreliable narrators Uh, that's not how the plot progresses
0: and it could have been such fun with having Wanda be the perspective on that because she's had such this interesting view of Jewish culture previously and the magic associated Mm -hmm. with it so having her insight into watching the wedding and interpreting the ceremonies and actually participating in a way that Stefan's not capable of doing that would have been great that would have been really interesting and instead we don't get any of that because Stefan's scared and confused <laughs> yeah. and quite and, and literally hiding and under and his, he doesn't like the my, noises. Over my
1: ears and, and he's, oh
0: God, he's yeah. almost literally hiding under his mother's skirts yes. throughout the entire scene and so we don't get any of that we instead get a series of yeah it's, i don't get it i think you can justify the czar and um the nursemaid Magretta. i'm always black yeah because they offer at least interesting insights yes. they're interesting to read they help Add to our world building, even if they dilute some aspects
1: of what's an interesting structure. Stefan just dilutes, period.
2: Not good. <laughs> yeah. Not good. Um,
1: so, the other thing that I just found out is uh, this kind of similar or, or sort of the other way around uh, to one of our other short stories that we read um, originated as a short story.
2: Oh, interesting. Really? What part um, of it was a short story?
1: I don't know and and i was trying to find to see if i could get it but there she wrote a short story called spinning silver that was in an anthology of reimagined fairy tales
2: okay interesting
1: and so i, I wonder if the uh some of the, like the storeroom scene or something like that was was what started it but like i don't mm-hmm. um i wish i knew and it 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 would be nice to find it and see like what what it was it in originally
2: no that would that would be interesting maybe i will try to figure that out over the the coming week um i mean you know those were 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 over time at this point but like those were my biggest (laughs) things that i wanted to talk about about character i mean we talked we have talked a lot about um in our discussion of the plot we've talked a lot about kind of other readers gripes with three main characters which I think it is fair to say that none of us have those same those same concerns um, and those seem really quite out of left field um, because we do have like three very distinguishable interesting um, individual characters that we're dealing with
0: yeah and with their major concern about it not being sexy enough, I don't know about you guys, but if there was actually, you know, sexy material in here, I'd find it very uncomfortable, given the positions our main characters are in.
1: Yeah, Yeah. it'd have to be a completely different book. Like, I think there are ways that you, like, they could sort of do it, but, like, it would be much more trashy pulp romance. It would would have
2: to be, because it would be the sort of, like, a weird power dynamic, will-they-won't-they kind of sexual tension scenes instead of some sort of, like, actual romantic intercourse or, or anything like that. Like, it just wouldn't work.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you could do a will-they-won't-they they with uh, Miriam and the Stark King. I could see there being, like, a, a brief, like, the guard actually gets some. Um, <laughs> that would have been nice
2: for him before he was iced.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, oh, he's dead. Don't worry, he got his.
1: I mean at least at that point he would have something that wasn't blue oh boy Um, and (laughs) i mean like but i mean then i think you have like other problems with wanda because then you don't have a balancing of the the story and it just like i don't know and it would
2: because at that point too like this book was already really long with a lot of stuff going on in it
1: yeah um Mm -hmm. I, I mean, don't I think it's do worth it the... to like
2: lengthen it to yeah. just get some sexy stuff in there.
1: I think you could have not lengthened it and it could have been like a little bit of a bodice ripper and that just Well would have yeah, been bad. but then
2: that's a completely yeah different thing.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, it would be following kind of the same things that people criticize about the relationship developing in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Now, these, these are very much captive scenarios. These are Rape of the Sabian Women kind of moments you're, putting, you're trying to romantify. Yeah. You can't really do that. Mm-hmm. It, it, it does it, Unless you, as you said, BJ, really rewrite this or make it a completely different subject material, it's just not going to work here. It, yeah. The entire point of these women finding their position and their power. But... And then ultimately making their decisions with respect to it. And, you know, The Sexy Times is implied to occur now post-book. If there was a, an unnecessary epilogue, you could go into it then. But
1: why?
2: Yeah. Um, so what are we going to talk about next time, guys?
1: Uh, I think um, the world, the magic of the world. Um, and I feel like...
0: Hmm? Mirroring character arcs could be fun, yeah, too. Yeah, kind of reference yep. a little yep. bit here. And I uh, feel like I c-
1: should just talk a little bit about some of, like, the... Jewish references that were strewn throughout the book that yeah aren't super obvious.
0: Well, is it also fair to say, guys, that other than what we talked about, which are not small things that we talked about, we just talked about like twenty five percent of the book. Mm-hmm. But for the rest of it, I don't really see much that I would rewrite. I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was very successful. I think our main my main criticism here is that there wasn't more of it.
2: Yeah, I I really I really enjoyed this book, um, and I've now read it two and a half times. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, and I I think it's really good. I find it. I think it's delightful. I think the writing is great. I think it is a a, a kind of rollicking book. Mm-hmm. And I'm d- confused about some of the uh, criticisms that it was too slow. I never I never found it slow. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. I, I I think that there are a couple of things that that can be problematic. One is um, she's a YA author, and mm-hmm. so if you're kind of looking for this a similar. Uh, pace that, like fantasy style YA books often have. Yeah, like you're just not going to get that in an adult book often. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, yeah, you've got to do
2: more, and it just is is going to be different.
1: Yeah, and then I think that the other thing is is just like, and then you're getting reviewers that have decisions that they're going to make, and it and it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, it's like yeah. you know you know, to, to keep bringing up food and, and, and reviews. Like if you hate all, you know, Chinese food and you only like Mexican food and you go to a Chinese food place and get good Chinese food and rate it one star because it wasn't tacos, that's not reasonable on anybody's part. Yeah. So. Uh,
0: BJ, there's a place next to me of where it's a mixed Mexican (laughs) sushi joint. I'm going to have to take you there next time you come down.
1: (laughs) Um, yeah, that, that'll be interesting.
0: Uh, shall we uh, call it quits now for uh, until next week?
2: I think yep, so. And good. so if our listeners are uh, looking for something and, and finding something completely different than what they were expecting, where might they go to find that content? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, we have all of our content on Um We have this, uh, Mangum Reads. We have our podcast within a podcast, Pottering Around, um, which we are at some point in the very near future going to get into Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, and then there are a bunch of other podcasts, Mangum Talks TV, where I think they are about to start in on the Mandalorian, um, as well a as matter cur- of moments. currently, uh, Whiskey on the Weekend, which we are doing in our lockdown state, um, as well as other random podcasts that come out on a release schedule that is interesting. And with that, have a good night, y'all. Look forward to okay. next time. Bye guys. This was fun.